Welcome to Tales She Told Me, a podcast featuring ordinary women who have overcome and done extraordinary things. I'm your host, Farah Haydar. Joining me today is Janice Goldmans. Janice is here to share her story of navigating her parents' illnesses. She is a published author and presenter on aging and generational transition challenges. After navigating both her parents through Alzheimer's disease, she created Talk About Aging, a company focused on providing education and coaching to their clients to achieve the highest quality of life, any age, any stage. Janice has articles published on various issues, including caregiver stress, drug misuse in the elderly, older mother-daughter relationships, and healthy eating for older adults. Her book, Getting Older But Not Old, covers a range of topics relevant to successful aging. She has appeared on television and radio as an expert on the issues facing today's sandwich generation. Janice, it's a pleasure to have you. And as a one of the sandwich generations, I can really appreciate what you've been through. But let's start at the beginning. You mentioned both of your parents had Alzheimer's. And can you tell right. us kind of what happened and what inspired you to create the solution you did? So it is a very interesting story because I had tested both of my parents many years ago doing the mini mental status. I had worked with a geriatrician and I wanted to have a baseline for them. And I did the test and gave it to their physician and said, hey, they're good now, but you never know. Something could happen in the future. And so over time, I saw things happening with my mom, starting to lose memories and, and functions in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And I went back to the doctor and said, I want you to look at that piece of paper that I gave you a number of years ago, because I'm going to do another test and I want to compare it. And I kept seeing decline. Unfortunately, the physician was really not all of that familiar with the mini mental status. Mm -hmm. And I ended up having to have him refer my mother to a memory clinic. I just okay. gave him the paper. I said, just sign it, and get her, you know, get her some help because yeah. I, I know that there's an issue here. And my mother also had emphysema. My mother was a lifelong smoker. So all of these things happening at the same time were challenging. But I did my best to get her the care that she needed and, and follow up on that. And my dad on the sideline didn't really know how to deal with it, so it did fall on my shoulders. Uh, my mother passed away six years ago. And my father did quite well until... I would say just before the pandemic, he was uh, living on his own and had access to a garden and they took that away from him. And that really became his purpose. And he just started, his cognition started to decline and decline and decline. And then COVID hit and then forget it. Uh, my father lives in a retirement residence. They were um, like restricted to their rooms for a very long time. And again, his cognition just kept going down and down and down. I also had had him refer to the same clinic as my mom, but because COVID hit, they stopped providing services. So it's just, you know, I don't think that my story is unique in any way. But again, my big thing is that we need to be advocates. 
if you see that something needs to be done or you have a concern, don't be afraid to bring it forward. Don't be afraid to talk to your siblings or, or a health professional because the worst that can happen is that you do hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil because then the person's not getting help. And the best scenario is maybe it's not Alzheimer's. Maybe it's just a B12 deficiency. Maybe it's just tired, iron, whatever, and can be easily managed. So let's talk a little bit about you emotionally for you, how that was. Now, do you have any siblings? Um, I had an older brother who passed away just about a year ago. I'm sorry about to hear about that. But so he was, but he was alive during this whole process. He was, but he also always deferred to me. Well, you have the background in aging. You know what to do with them. Do it. Yeah. So it always fell on my shoulders as it usually does for the daughter. 75% of caregivers are, are the daughters or women. Wow. So let's talk a little bit about emotionally. You know, obviously you were an advocate for your mother. You you recognized it long before any medical professional did. Um, but how, how was that for you just from an emotional standpoint? So... I'm the youngest one and always we think that our parents are going to live forever and we don't want to think about us parenting our parents. It's a hard transition. And even though I know from my academic background that this happens a lot, when I'm living it, it was very emotional because my mother and I had um, a close relationship. And when you start to see somebody, little pieces, and that's the only way I can describe it, little pieces falling away, it's so hard to watch. It's so emotional. And then my mother also had the emphysema on top of it. So she had kind of this dual thing happening. And many incidences happened where um, I needed to step in to, to advocate for other kinds of services. And I, tr- and I just tried to marshal all of my... Um, fortitude, I guess, and resilience, and not let it get to the emotional side, because there was so much that had to be done practically. But that emotion, you know, you can't have all those balls in the air without that emotion peeking through. It was hard. And I had children and grandchildren. So I'm right in the middle of that sandwich with four generations. And yeah, it was hard. It was hard in the beginning. That, yeah, that does sound hard. What, what do you think was the hardest part for you? I think the hardest part is my mother was always fiercely independent. And for her to start accepting help from me as her child, I think for her was very difficult. And for me to watch her in her difficulty made it even more difficult. Because for her to ask for help was very very traumatic for her so then it became traumatic for me of course um you know just as someone who who has aging parents as well unfortunately my mother passed about a couple years ago um and i would say that definitely um you know having an advocate is very essential um but she, she had a lot of children that lived very far away from her so um you know the my sister who was there and her main care- caregiver 
definitely tried her hardest. But it, it's really difficult. That transition is very, very different because you're in this old pattern with your parents, right? Mm-hmm. Like what they say goes, but you know, if they're if they're not, like say they have Alzheimer's or they're not cognitively there, right? You know, breaking that pattern of saying no, you can't do that. Now I'm the parent is just. I think it's very difficult. It is. And it is, as I said, I think for the parent themselves, if even though they have Alzheimer's, what people don't realize that they still have lots going on up there, lots of cognition still left over. And it's hard when they know they don't know. Yeah. I think that is a very hard stage when they know that they're losing memory. They know that things are changing. They they get it because at a certain point they don't know they don't know. Yeah. And it's easier for them. But when they know they don't know, that's when the challenge is really at I would say at their highest point for for the parent themselves. Was there a defining moment for you that kind of the switch was made? Um I think I'm trying to think with my mom. I know with my dad, not so much with my mom, when my dad phoned me one day and said, I don't think I know where I am. He was driving home. I said, he said, I don't know where I am. And I said, pull over, give me a street name. And he was literally maybe four blocks from his home. And he said, I don't know where I am. And I just, at that point was like, whoa, that's scary and you know he himself said i don't want to be driving anymore and he he let go of the keys so i think that moment for me was really just i mean i had seen other things leading up to it we had been driving somewhere and i was driving and he said oh this doesn't look familiar and i'm thinking We've been down this road before, but you know what? There's been a lot of development. The street looks a little bit different. Maybe he hasn't been here in a long time and doesn't recognize this is where he's been. But when he was driving home and said, I don't know where I am, that's, that's when it was. Do you think there's a difference between the way you dealt with your mom and your dad just because of the different roles they played in your life? Or maybe because you had experience with your mom and then, you know, you had your dad happen. I think it was different. Yeah, not so much because I have different roles. I'm very, very close with my dad, Mm. like in a very different way than my mom. I've always been a daddy's girl. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just the way it is. Uh, And my mother and I, uh, as women, we had a good relationship. But my relationship with my father is different. I still sometimes feel, you know, like I'm still his little kid. Um, but I think what made it different was when my mother was going through it, I still had my dad mm. as as another person who helped to take care of her. Now it is literally me. yeah, And it is me that is doing everything. And especially with my brother passing away, it is me doing everything. So all of the responsibility, all of the decisions, all of the everything with my dad is on my shoulders. And yes, I learned a lot from doing it with my mom, but my father's expression of the Alzheimer's is so different than my mom's. Okay. And better in some ways, worse in others. And so I've had to get used to what that looks like 
for him and not think, well, gee, mom wasn't like that. She could do those things. Mm -hmm. He can't do those things, but he can do other things. Yeah. So it was letting go of that original picture and realizing his journey is going to be different. Now, what is the difference between, because all as we age, I think our memory starts, you know, getting weaker, let's say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what's a, what do you see as the difference between like normal memory loss as you age versus Alzheimer's? So normal memory loss is you put your keys down somewhere and you don't remember where they are, but you put your keys down on the table. Mm -hmm. Oh, there they are. I see they're on the table mm -hmm. in the other room. Alzheimer's is you put your keys in the freezer. Mm. Um, Alzheimer's, it, um, regular memory losses. I went to see a movie. I can't remember the title. Alzheimer's is you forget you saw the movie, period. Okay. So we all have that. We all have those memory lapses. And sometimes it's stress and whatever it is, and it's normal. But it is that's when you go to the sort of extreme or abnormal behaviors that uh, it happens. You know, I'm sure that you've heard this many times about storytelling. Sometimes mm -hmm. people tell a story and they don't know all the pieces. And then they remember them later and they fill them in. Somebody that has Alzheimer's may tell the same story over and over and over to try and cement it into their brain because they're afraid they're going to lose it. Mm. And so they, or they don't remember that they told you the story to begin with. Yeah. Wow. Um, I want to touch about something that you kind of brought up. You, you kind of touched about it and, and flew right by it when I asked you about your mom and dad where you said, you know, well, it's a mom-daughter thing, too. Yes. And I did see that you wrote an article about older mother-daughter relationships. So how yeah. do you think that's different? Like, what makes that unique, the mother-daughter relationship? So when we're little, our mothers are our role model, right? They are our role model. And whether good, bad, or indifferent, they are the role model. And we look up to them for guidance. We look up for, to them to help us through, you know, our lives growing up as women, all of those women issues. When we get older, then we become women and we may have our own children and we may go, oh, okay, I, I thought this part of my upbringing was great. This part was not. I'm going to be different with my kids in these, in these ways. But the mother still is the mother with her thoughts as she has and wants to retain being that mother with you. And sometimes when mothers and daughters have a great relationship, it works. But sometimes it doesn't. And then sometimes there's comp there becomes almost competition. Oh, you're not raising your children right. You should be doing this and not that. There can be conflict. Um, I know with my mother and I, we're both very strong personalities. And so it, there was kind of, you know, there was times where we butt heads. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that I didn't love my mom, but I had a strong personality. She had a strong personality. Mm -hmm. I had to be right. She had to be right. And it took me a long time to realize that what was important for me as she got older wasn't that I had to be right anymore. You want to tell me the sky is purple? great the sky's purple it's yeah. i don't care but it took me a very long time to get into that headspace and 
it's it is a um, common that mothers and daughters have those kinds of conflicts because they do start to compete mm. as as adult women you know it, it just happens and not in every situation but it is it is quite usual and people think that it's just in their family but it's not <laughs> um so how did you make decisions around the care they received you said you had a background in aging so it wasn't like you were totally new to the space no, I had started working with a geriatrician. Um, actually, my capacity with him was in a marketing uh, format. He used to do health fairs and wanted to help with promotion and set up and getting them um, known. Mm -hmm. And I watched him do what he did. And I watched him with his patients. And I thought, this guy's incredible. Mm -hmm. This is this is who I want to emulate. I don't know how else to put it. Because when my grandmother was my age, which is scary, she was in a nursing home. And I remember going in there and seeing these people lined up in the wheelchairs around the nurse's desk and thinking, I'm not going to let my parents experience that. And I was quite young. I was probably 15 or 16. And I never really thought a lot about what that was going to mean. But when I started working with this geriatrician, it was like, that memory almost sort of came back to me. And I thought, this is what I want to be doing. I want to be helping these people. And so I started going back to school to get my degree in uh, gerontology. And I wanted to help people. I didn't want them to have to face that possibility of sitting in a wheelchair around a nurse's desk, just existing and not living. Wow. So yes, I did have I did have a background in um, in gerontology before my parents got sick, and I think that's why I knew what I was seeing. Mm. Is there anything looking back as you went through this very um, difficult stage of life? What did you wish you knew? I wish I knew that I could ask for help much sooner that I didn't have to do it all myself, that there was help out there, that there were other people that could give me information. And also that some information that I got was not the best. Yeah. That I could have been more discerning in the information that I got and um, asked for different kinds of help. So if, if you have someone out there that's preparing for this stage of life maybe they're not quite there yet or they're in the midst of it do you have any words of wisdom for them both like on a practical level because yeah. i know that's your background but also on an emotional level yeah i think I'll, I'll hit the emotional level first is that when you feel overwhelmed <clears throat> don't think there's something wrong with you it is overwhelming. And if you need to reach out to your friends or your family or professional help, do it. Because as a caregiver, if you aren't at your best, you can't help who you're helping. Mm. It's that analogy with the, with the airplane, and I say it all the time, when those oxygen masks fall down, put yours on first and then help someone. Take care of you so you can take care of somebody else. So that to me is is probably the biggest piece of advice I can give on the emotional side is make sure you take care of you so that you're able to continue on because it can be a long process. 
for practicality, if you've got a group of people that are involved in the care of that person, have conversations, sit down, and don't engage your ego. It's not, I'm here to tell you what to do. It's, we're sitting down as a group of concerned people. We're going to just listen to everybody. There's no wrong. There's no right. We're going to come up with a plan. And that's where my um, highest quality of, of life, any age, any stage comes from. I'm not just talking about for the older adult. I'm talking about for everybody. Because if you're running around like a chicken without a head on, trying to care for your parent, you're not it's not the highest quality of life for you. Yeah. You're sacrificing yourself for somebody. The idea is to create a plan for everybody. And sometimes the answer to, to a demand is no, I can't mm -hmm. do that. And we're afraid to say no, but it's sometimes hard. that's the answer. It's hard. Yeah. We want to, we want everyone to, to be happy. We want to please people. You know, we want to do the right thing, but sometimes the answer is no. Yeah. And that's that's a concept that you have to start wrapping your head around when you're in these situations. Wow. That's, you know, it, it's, it, it is really difficult. Uh, do you recommend that people actually sit down and have this conversation with their parents maybe before they even see any signs, maybe at a specific oh. age? A hundred percent. I think sitting down with your parents and when they're healthy and younger and saying to them, if something should happen, what would you want? Get those living wills, get those powers of attorneys, make sure you have those things and acknowledge, you know what? Today, everybody's healthy and this isn't the most comfortable conversation, but I know that if something should happen, I want to be able to do what you want. It's, it, I don't want it to be what I want for you. I want to be able to give you what you want. And it's okay if in five years or 10 years you change your mind. We'll change what you want. But let's capture what you want today. I know in my own situation, um, my mother having COPD, a doctor asked me about a do not resuscitate. Yeah. And my father did not have an answer. And I said, doesn't matter. Here's the living will. This is what my mom wants. It's not what I want. It's not what he wants. Here's her wishes. Yeah. I didn't have to make that decision in an emotional time mm -hmm. where somebody says, tell me what you want to do. Yeah. Here it is. I have it for you. I don't have to make the decision. She made the decision. Yeah, I can't tell you how valuable that is. I, um, as I mentioned, my mom passed a couple of years ago. And um, she has nine children, so there's nine of us, and she wow. was in a coma, and we had to make that decision of when to stop, um, yeah. basically life support. Right. And it was literally the most difficult, and you're never, no matter what decision you made, it, you were never going to be okay with it. Um, right. So yeah, it's something I would recommend as well. So thank you for all your wisdom around that. Um, I do have an evergreen question that I ask everybody, and it is a, what is a weird habit or ritual you have that makes your life more joyful? Um, I have a weird habit. I don't know if it makes my life joyful, but it's <laughs> funny when I think about that this is something that I do. When I take a shower, I literally 
do it the same way every time. I wash my hair, I wash my left arm, I wash my right arm with the same, you know, same shower gel and a little scrubby mitt that I have. And I literally do it the same way. I don't know. I guess I've just gotten into a routine. It works. And I know every part is covered and I'm good to go. It's soothing. You know, maybe it's not yeah. joy, but it's soothing to you. Yeah, it, it, it's relaxing. It's like sometimes that's what rituals do is they help you to relax and just not have to think and feel good when you're finished. Yeah. Janice, it was an absolute pleasure having you. And if you're out there and you'd like to hear more from Janice, you can check out her website at www.talkaboutaging.com. All links in the show notes below. Um, as always, I'd love to hear from you about this episode. How are you dealing with your parents aging? Hit me up on Instagram or Facebook at Farah Haydar. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you'll get notified when the next episode is available. Also, I'm giving away a PDF of some of the best quotes we've had on the show, beautifully designed to print and journal your thoughts. Email me at farah at farahaydar.com and title it quotes. Talk to you soon. Till then, chase your happy. <laughs>